Why Nickers? Bernard pulls the trigger. And this is a brand. Nickers is a brand. Allen Houston. Nickers means Lord. Once a neck, always a neck. You guys are listening to Nickish. You got your boys Mo and Nappy here on this Friday, July 23rd. Here to talk about the NBA and the New York Knicks. Here, my man Nappy. What's going on, man? How you feeling today? Feeling all right. Feeling blessed. Every day, every day you wake up and you're alive. Why not? Feeling blessed, right? Um, excited to talk about the finals, bro. I mean, we have one a couple days ago. Um, obviously we're a Knicks podcast. We'll talk Knicks as well. But yeah, we could talk about uh. Giannis, bro. Shit. But yeah, before we get to that, how you doing? I'm doing all right. You know, honestly, I'm a little surprised that it's been three seconds and you haven't bragged about the fact that you had the prophecy of how these NBA that. finals were going to go. I was getting to that, bro. You see, like, remember how in Infinity War, Thanos sent his little minions first, you know what I mean, before he stepped in. <laughs> I'm taking my time just like Thanos did, you know what I mean? <laughs> but hey, I mean, if you want to talk about it. Fuck it. I, I mean, <laughs> shit. I mean, the the proof is there. Go back two episodes, maybe three episodes. Suns were up two and zero, oh, and this man right here came in with the, I don't know, man. I think the Bucks are gonna go six and zero. Oh. Game six, they got in the bag, and I was shocked. I was surprised. I I thought you were joking around for a sec. Cause I was like, no way. Maybe maybe game seven, but there's no way. This Bucks team that just lost back to back games against the Suns, even though it was in Phoenix, are gonna win four in a row. And lo and behold. The prophecy was uh, was accurate, so you're right. I, I was the only that. one. I was the only one that had bucks and six. Me and Brandon Jennings. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's wild. Like props to Milwaukee. They brought fucking Jennings to the parade. Yeah, that was that, uh, was, that was fire. You know what I mean? Um, they br- they brought Michael Redden, which I thought like was probably higher on the priority list, but just because of all the bucks and six stuff, you got to bring in Jennings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um. But unlike Jennings, when he first coined the Bucks and Six stuff, what was it like 2013? It was against Miami too. It was the Brandon Jennings, Monty Ellis Bucks. I remember this vividly, yep. and it was like a video interview they played before the game, and he was like, "Oh, Bucks and Six. I was like, "Oh man, mm. this man about to get sent to hell." <laughs> but LeBron back a peak LeBron. Yo, they probably heard that shit was wild tight, but <laughs> they were the champions too, the reigning champion Heat. Yep. Yo. I- Honestly, Brandon Jennings, I I liked him on the Knicks to an extent because of the flashiness. Overall, as a player, he wasn't too good, but the flashiness with he was with KP, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, was, yeah, yeah. That was the first time we brought D Rose in, so we were just like, mm. oh yeah, D Rose, Jennings backing him up. We got mm. the we got the perfect team for 2010, and it was like 2016, so it was problematic. <laughs> <laughs> um. Shit, bringing back bad memories. But nah, finals, um, I don't want to brag too much just because it wasn't like I went Zach Lowe with the analysis. It was just like, yeah, I think, you know, once they get home, oh, I thought, like, you know, Drew and Middleton are more, two of the more, like, I'd say inconsistent, like, secondary stars on a championship team. They're not not superstars, really. It's not like a situation where it was just like you got a clear, like, one and two where traditionally, you know, um, NBA championship teams were. And even... some cases, super teams with a big three. It was basically a clear hierarchy of Giannis being the generational transcendent star, and you had the Drew and Middleton filling in below. Uh, my thinking was just like, yo, they're gonna they're gonna play better, and they're gonna take some wins, and they play better at home. 
So they're going to take those two games in Milwaukee. The key for me was for that prediction to come through is like they got to go back to Phoenix and take care of business. And, I mean, that's what happened, right? Um, and then they, they got to Milwaukee, obviously. I'm looking up the box score right now because I'm just like, the, what's fresh, obviously, is game six and what Giannis did, historically speaking. But, yeah, I'm done bragging now if you want to talk about that. Like, well. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I mean, shit. For a player like that, he he has cemented himself as obviously one of the greatest in the NBA right now, and he's he he put his name down as a guy to look out for for the coming years to see if he can keep those performances up, and then that ladder is only going to get shorter for him to the top. Uh, man dropped fifty points, a fifty piece with fourteen rebounds and two assists, but one of, and five blocks. But I think one of the most impressive parts of this was the fact that he took 19 free throws, and of the 19, he made 17. And had he taken those free throws like the way he's been all season, 60-some percent, they would have lost this game. Those yeah. those points made all the difference, and, you know, he kept going the line, and one after the other after the other. He missed one of his earliest ones, and he missed one of his last ones. But this came off a day or so after Chris Paul pretty much said on the media that Giannis is afraid to shoot free throws himself, and Giannis took that personally, and somehow some way figured out how to get into rhythm and made 17 free throws to cap off that 50 piece so fuck that was that's the kind of stuff that history is gonna show and show that how he was struggling and turned it around within a couple of games to clinch the first championship for the bucks in what was it 50 years yeah 50 years bro and speaking as a knicks fan seeing that i was like yo it's got to be our turn next. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's got to be a, like Cleveland had their their little curse broken in 2016. Now you got Milwaukee like five years later. If it takes five years for the Knicks to win that ring, I think I could be patient. It's just like, you know, no guarantee we all live to see that five years before I get dark. <laughs> um, I mean, <laughs> okay. you never know, brother. But, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, to your point, like what I, like I definitely, it definitely brought back memories of Shaq. And how Shaq always used to get clowned for free throws, but he would always fire back. I'd make it when it count, though. I mean, he still mm. says that on NBA on TNT, but especially when he was playing, it was true. He was a clutch free throw maker. At least anecdotally speaking, there's probably some nerd out there that can like pull up a, pull up a spreadsheet that'll disprove that. But I mean, for what I remember, that was true. Um, but with Giannis, bro, just his general kind of like you saw him at the post game conference, right? Or the po- yeah, the post game conference where he was just like. You know, they said I couldn't make my free throws, but I fucking did it tonight. I mean, we we fucking mm. did it today. You know what I mean? Um, and the whole super team comment, bro. There's a lot to unpack with just like game six, but the finals in general. But with that being said, like to your point, I want to stay on just like the historical context with Giannis. I think they said he he joins Kareem. Was it Kareem? No, no. MJ Hake- and Hakeem as the only players to win MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, and Finals MVP in, in the same season. Yeah. I think. And then, oh, what was it? I don't know. There's a whole bunch of accolades that just came up, and they, the, our listeners have probably seen and heard about them. But everything you saw was just eye-popping, and what stood out the most was just, like, it's hyper-rare to to rack up all the career accomplishments and accolades and what he's done to this point. I'm talking about Giannis. It's hyper-rare for that to happen at the tender age is 26. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and there are clear flaws to his game that's been discussed, like, all the time. Like, he needs a jumper for sure. But I'm not one of those people that thinks he needs a three. I think similar to Simmons, I never was like them people like, yo, shoot a three, you coward. I'm just like, yo, get a post game. Get some mid-range game going. And Giannis got a little bit of that with that little turnaround and fallaway jumper he has. That becomes more consistent. 
know what I mean? And they and teams will still like struggle to stop him at the rim because he's a monster in the paint, which we saw. Like, you know, like usually it's an issue because he'll get fouled, go to the line, and miss. But they he he was seeking out contact, bro. He was like, nah, like screw that. We're we're about to take it home tonight in front of the fans from Milwaukee. So I just want to give Giannis that shout out because <clears throat> I know in our off season series, I think you and I were talking about how. It was just, it was our reaction to the Drew trade and at that time the Bogdanovich trade as well. And I was like skeptical of just what Milwaukee's front office was doing, you know? I was like yeah. kind of, not even kind of, I was like, yo, they fucked up by letting Brogdon go. I was like, I said, you know, and I was like, yo, if you're Giannis, are you really going to trust this franchise? Are you going to stay? Soon after that, he re- he re-upped with them, you know what I mean? And then we saw how the season unfolded. So, yo, Giannis proved all doubters wrong. Milwaukee, the Bucks. They were confident, apparently, that they could retain Giannis and keep him from, like, seeking better opportunities, and they was right, you know? Like, they knew Giannis better than anybody else in the league, especially better than fans. So just top to bottom, bro, it's like a storybook kind of ending, you know what I mean? Yeah, there's a, a lot of vindication that went around. You mentioned Giannis. I mean, Chris Middleton, second rounder, making it to the top second most impl- important player on a championship team, averaging over 20 points per game in the NBA Finals. Multiple cl- clutch shots throughout the whole season. Uh, so he's finally getting his credit. Giannis made sure to shout him out, you know, for a pretty long while when he got when he was handed the mic, and their coach, Bud Budenholzer, Bro. finally <laughs> vindicated. Because if he if they if they lost the way they did last season, that man would be you know basically bagging you know bagging groceries at at, at Walmart in maybe not in Milwaukee because they wouldn't want him there. Um, but fuck, he, he's an official. He's officially a championship coach, and Drew Holiday. I'm sure you know us guys agree that that was a great pickup for them and it was a great a lot, trade though. for them. The price was crazy, and we were all yeah. saying the price only makes sense if one Giannis stays and two they win a ring, and all exactly. the above happened, bro. That's crazy. But yeah, exactly. So there was a there was a lot of you know a lot of hesitancy probably from the fans with Drew Holiday, who wasn't able to do as much as he possibly could have in in a team like New Orleans before or, you know, in other places. He, he is an all-star point guard, but was he good enough to bring him to that next level? And then you got P.J. Tucker, who, you know, numbers-wise, they don't really show what he did. Mm-hmm. But historically, when he, you start dropping the names of the players he's had a guard throughout his whole career, like LeBron and now, Bro. you know, at points Devin Booker. And then he played a center as a six foot five guy. Him finally gained that championship ring well-deserved and they you know i saw a picture somewhere where they showed that rockets team from maybe three years ago uh you know him harden paul um clint capella and i forgot the last guy i think it was trevor reza he won a ring before all of them and he beat every single one of those guys in a different playoff series which is really fucking cool yeah shouts to pj tucker because like what pisses me off the most and there's a lot that pisses me off about like the online discourse in terms of casual fans and fans that think they know shit but they're really just saying like really stupid shit like, the box score watch is basically, like, you see P.J. Tucker get clowned for his box score, like, donuts. Like, he'll have a 0-0-0 game, but, or he'll, like, barely contribute in terms of points-wise. But that's not, you're not bringing in P.J. Tucker for that. And I feel like that gets underrated in a way that, like, people see the numbers who he's guarding, putting up. And they're like, oh, what the, what did he do? You know what I mean? Like, what did P.J. Tucker really do? He still got his numbers, but he'll make it tough. And the very fact that, like... As far as the defense, as far as, like, a teammates, I'm sure they, like, his teammates really do appreciate the fact that, like, yo, we could put PJ on XYZ and we can trust that he'll be there. You know what I mean? Like, he'll 
he'll man that coverage and he'll put his all into that. And I feel like that, especially for somebody like Giannis, who's won a deep, defensive player of the year before, it helps him because he's the anchor. He's the weak side guy that's going to come in and block the shit out of something. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. just the very fact that he doesn't have to worry about like poor a poor defensive uh, or poor perimeter defense, especially from especially when it comes to like guarding the best players on the other team, I think that means a lot to Giannis's mentality as a defender. You know what I mean? Because we saw Gobert in the Clippers series, he got roasted for how he played that series, and some of it was deserved, but also like Utah had nobody that could defend the perimeter. So once the Clippers realized that weakness and started exposing it repeatedly. Rudy Gobert was the one that was looking bad because he's the one at the at the tail end of these plays. Even though you see like Joe Ingles, Bogdanovich, and Colin just beat off the dribble, you know what I mean? Like they're not even there. But bringing that back to Tucker, but like, yo, bro, like Middleton and Giannis, bro. But what people forget is they were on a on that Bucks team that won like fifteen games and they got the number two pick and picked Jabari. Once they got Jabari, them two dudes, especially Middleton, who's just like a develop, developmental throw-in in a deal for Jennings, those guys went to the wayside and Jabari became the guy, right? While Giannis yep. was still the the project that they considered part of the core, where they considered him as like the 1B or even the number two to Jabari, you know what I mean? Because I remember mm-hmm. vividly at that time, they are like, yo, this rebuild going to be crazy. You got Jabari at the center of it. Jabari's gone, all right? I think he's on the Celtics now. Probably going to play in Russia next year. But now you're seeing, like, the, the two afterthoughts, quote-unquote, where they are right now. And, bro, this Giannis story, it's still, the more you think about it, the more you kind of go over all the, all the storylines when it comes to Giannis, it's, it's he's like a 2K creative player, bro. <laughs> it, yeah. It, it's crazy. It really is. It, and then in terms of just personality, we, we'll never know any of these guys, these athletes, how they really are. But just the personality he conveys publicly, he's a hell of a likable dude, bro. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. And I, I'm two time, just... two time MVP, and he's like, don't fu- don't celebrate <clears throat> it. No, not till I get a championship. Don't exactly. celebrate those MVPs. And he he himself didn't want to publicly do it. So, like I I'm happy to see him finally be able to feel that recognition and be happy for himself. And finally, like, he's such a humble guy. And the fact that he's able to finally showcase that he, you know, earned where he's at right now. You know that speaks volumes, and I'm sure you saw the the old Kobe tweet that recirculated. Oh yeah, the challenges he like, laid out for him, like yo MVP, win a ring. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, it yeah. was beautiful, bro. It was beautiful. Mm-hmm. And um, well deserved. Hell uh, yeah. Was, even though supporting the Suns because I want to see CP3 win that ring, I'm I'm definitely happy to see Giannis and this team win it because they they deserved it. It's it's nice to see an NBA Finals that doesn't have to be LeBron circulated or, or Steph Curry. You know about one of those guys winning their X number ring, but really one of these two teams winning their first championship in years. I mean, for Phoenix, first time, and then, you know, first time rings for a lot of superstars. Not going to lie, though. I kind of miss, like, having somebody to root against in the finals. LeBron hmm. made it easy with all those finals. Like, last year, um, year prior, you know what I mean? I, was, I, I wanted uh, the Warriors, at least KD, to win that ring and then ride off to the sunset and join New York. They didn't win. He tore his Achilles, and he's in Brooklyn now. So, you know. Shit happens, but it was a change. It was a nice change of pace to watch his finals. Be like, you know what? I'm cool with whoever wins. I, I like Chris Paul as a point guard. I fuck with Booker's game. So I, I like. To, same with you. I wasn't rooting for Phoenix, but I wasn't. I wouldn't be mad if they won. You know what I mean? But I was just looking at it basketball wise. Like, bro, we could get into this part because I thought I think this was an interesting conversation that we could have just in terms of looking at the two rosters, right? What I guess. 
what does this finals, this matchup, and especially Milwaukee side of things, what is them winning and kind of how they built the team? How how do you see that like relate that back to the Knicks? And basically, do you think it's achievable? Like, do you think it could be a situation where like I kind of think it's like Dallas, where you got the trend transcendent generational star and a, a team full of just super role players and tertiary guys that aren't necessarily superstars in themselves but are like they're better than like role players they're like you know Middleton and Drew Holiday they're all-star caliber players but then nobody's gonna call them like there's a reason they weren't called a big three you know, <laughs> you know what I mean like it's not a super team mm-hmm. so basically what I'm saying is do you think the super team era is dead is that something like the Knicks shouldn't even worry about you know what I mean or no right. I mean I, I, as far as like narrative goes, like yeah, maybe maybe for a little while it's gonna be dead, but at some point or another, the more superstars you have, the more likely chance you have of winning a ring. Whether it's, I mean, super team, you're saying three people. I mean, I guess maybe yeah, yeah. big three, the whole big three kind of thing may be dead, but I could see it popping right back up next season. Like it could it could come back I mean, any time. Look at the other borough, bro. That's we the, we're still in the quote unquote super team era, yeah. and that's because of this one James Harden who he caught a stray from Giannis. We want to go back to that real quick. He was like, I could have joined a super team. I could have been like, you know. He was going to name somebody. <laughs> then he mm-hmm. said, I'm not going to name names, but, you know, I could go join another team, do my part, and win. But, you know, it's not the same. You know what I mean? Exactly. So, you, so he's, you know, like, we're looking at, at – but then bringing it back now, like, to this conversation, like, Brooklyn is a super team. So it's really just, like, about – the thing about super teams is when you see a team attain that level of talent, I feel like it's a – it's not – it's almost a fool's errand to try to replicate that same superstar caliber big three. You know what I mean? Like what Daryl Morey did when he saw Golden State get better, they were, he wasn't like, oh, I'm going to try to get more stars. I'm going to build the perfect roster around Harden that can, you know, uh, uh, pinpoint the few weaknesses Golden State has. And I'm going to, you know, obviously upgrade the talent. He got uh, CP3 in during that era. And I, and I fuck with that. So it's really just, I don't know, just kind of thinking about just like, you know, we're not thinking... RJ is going to be like Giannis level or, or approach it, right? We're thinking like best case, Jimmy Butler. So I think for us, as far as the Knicks are concerned, I don't know if what Milwaukee achieved is is more achievable than attaining a super team. You know what I mean? That's the thing I've been trying to think about because on one hand, we're the Knicks. We're New York. We signed somebody, but it hasn't happened yet. But what do you think? I mean, it's, a, it's an interesting concept. It's more along the lines of thinking, what do you have a better chance of getting? a generational talent or three superstars to join your teams or maybe two if you have the one maybe because we're in new york i think you know we're gonna say that the latter is more achievable even if it's by a very small margin drafting a generational talent that there's a reason why they're generational talents they they don't come by often but if you have the right money and the right finances and the right kind of you know organizational organization to set up these guys come and join and get their money but also get the teammates that they want to get new york always from what it sounds like has a great shot of putting together players and bringing them here as long as the culture is there yeah um so to answer your question i'd probably say a super team is more likely achievable than getting a generational talent doesn't mean that way is better than the other uh i mean if you're one of those guys who say that you know it it feels like you earned it more if you work without a super team and your your homemade talent it doesn't always apply that way because a lot of players don't get treated right by their organizations and they're like fuck you power to the players which i support i'm going to join this team i'm going to join that team because you, you didn't treat me right you didn't i gave you a chance i gave you x number of years to bring other players you didn't do it i'm out i'm a bounce that's fine yeah so 
I mean, I get I get what Giannis is saying. I I don't disagree at all. I think us winning a championship was definitely. I think the Knicks ever winning a championship is going to be more meaningful than the Lakers winning another championship next year because they they they're used to it. Yeah. But because at the end of the day, like yeah, it's objectively you could point out who's better, who's a better team, stats wise, uh, you know, scouting wise. But at the end of the day, it's still sports and it's still about like championships and the emotional attachment us fans have to teams, right? If you remove the emotional like component out of like you know judging rings, quote unquote, I feel like you're 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 doing something dumb because at the end of the day the, this this ring that Giannis won for the city of Milwaukee it means more to that for that city than like the the two rings that the big three heat won for Miami you know what I mean or I would say Golden State but they were basically the Knicks of the, of the West before like Steve Kerr got there you know what I mean or even before the Mark Jackson era but what se- separates them is they won their first title when it was kind of like a, a Giannis and Buck situation. You had Steph Curry as a superstar. You had Clay, who people do revisionist history and say he was a superstar caliber player at that time. No, he wasn't. He, he was wasn't. like he was an all-star shooting guard. He was really good. He was great. He was the other brother. Yeah. He, he was the other guy. Exactly. That's, that's you know what what he, was, he was a splash brother. You know what I mean? It was a good combo. And then they had uh, Draymond filling in the gaps as a super role player. Um, mm-hmm. It's only kept KD getting there is when folks were like, yo, they got four all-stars. They're going to get Boogie Cousins. That's five all-stars, and I kind of bought into that, too, and then Boogie played like garbage, but point being, like, I do, honestly, for especially for a big market like us, I do think probably the big three is easier, but, you know, you look at the last couple of years, though, you see Milwaukee steadily built some depth, uh, built a culture with a coach, and then won a title, and you see Toronto in 2019 pretty much did the same. They just plugged Kawhi into their culture, into their infrastructure that they had developed, with a solid roster top to bottom, role players that complement each other and they want to ring. You know what I mean? Um, so I don't know. I mean, it's kind of a toss-up, you know? At the end of the day, it's really just about attaining a star is the hardest thing you can do in the NBA. Drafting or signing, you know? And it's just by, at least in our odds, in terms of Knicks, we have a probably... probably easier sign. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like you said, if, like, if, if free agents see us and they don't see a complete clusterfuck, you know what I mean? Or a dumpster fire... I think that we'd get more looks, you know. Um, I mean, we our own franchise is proof because, you know, say what you will, Donnie Walsh left, and there's some fans out there that don't like him, but he did bring respectability to our front office. He did, like, sign Amari, uh, bringing D'Antoni, built kind of a nice, fun, young roster that Carmelo saw, and yet he wanted his own bag, but, like, still, it attracted a star. Carmelo was a star. And at that point, I feel like that was kind of proof of concept that we could carry over now that I think is happening now. Like we're much more respected as a franchise and a fan base than we were a year ago, bro. And it's kind of, it's kind of crazy to see, you know what I mean? There's still mm-hmm. people out there desperate for the LOL Knicks takes, especially somebody like Max Kellerman, who's a clout chasing whore at this point. Right. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say that. <laughs> a whore. Yeah. Like, whore ass. <laughs> this man is just slutting himself out, bro, for the attention, bro. <laughs> this man out here saying the wildest things. That's not, yeah, Nick's Fat TV is hilarious because on his own separate episode without like his little segment with Max, he would say, yo, this man's, um, his Lakers are out, his Nets are out, his Mavericks are out. <laughs> and I was like, damn, bro, like, Max Kellerman is like the sports version of a hoe. Shit, just jumping team to team. I don't know how we got here to Max. But yeah, I mean, I guess that's what I want to talk about. But did you want to talk about, I guess, moving on to next season? Let me let me ask you flat out. You think or not? Go before ahead. before that, I did want to talk about the other team in in the Suns. Oh yeah, you know the they, they they were they were there too, if you recall. 
Uh, <laughs> they they had a, they had an amazing season themselves, and I think you know they should they definitely deserve a pat on the back as a team that was the second worst team from uh, and the the, uh, the Knicks being the worst team that season to now making to the NBA Finals after going in on the, in the bubble last season. Um, Devin Booker, particularly, I want to talk about CP3. We've talked about a number of times. Uh, credit to DeAndre Ayton, credit to Monty Williams, but Devin Booker, I want to hold in on just a little bit right now. We see him doing the fadeaway, you know, jumpers. Now we see him pulling up anywhere and everywhere. We see him being an efficient scorer. Is you know what? What is Devin Booker ceiling at your in your opinion? He's twenty three years old. Is he? Does he have the potential to be the best scorer in the NBA in in you know within the next two years? I think that's lofty, just because Luca's still breathing, and still on the Mavs, still in the NBA. You know what I mean? So I don't think he'll. Excuse me. Not well, player, but scorer. Mostly. Yeah, I mean, I think Lucas right now is a better scorer than Devin Booker. Because, um, mm. I mean, we've seen it in the playoffs, too. Like, people want to get at, you know, I'm not going to go off a whole tangent, but there was, like, this whole little, little point in the playoffs this year where people were like, oh, Trey Young got farther than Luca did. Like, Luca plays in the West, and he's got, like, the corpse of Christoph Porzingis, like, trying to, like, be his second option in the playoffs. But neither here nor there. But to your point, though, I don't think... I think this is definitely the beginning for Booker, and I'm mad happy he's getting the props he deserves. Because I was still one—I was one of those people that was like, "He's nice. He's just on a shit situation." And you have like talking heads and big media people like saying, "Like, oh no, he's a losing player. If he was—if he was as great as his reputation is, why isn't Phoenix not in the playoffs?" Is that how it works? You need talent. You need a team. Um, yeah, I mean, I think Booker is. Do I think Booker with the Suns will be back in the finals? I don't think so. Do you think so? No, you think this is it? No. This is this is the last chance this franchise. Like you don't think like in four or five years, Aiton and Booker are anchoring a championship contender. Unless they no, they're gonna need a third star. Chris Paul is not gonna be there, but they're gonna, they'd need a third guy who is, you know, at least a tertiary kind of star. Yeah, and it, yo, the thing about Chris Paul, the whole narrative is he's choked. But like, bro, they they put fucking True Holiday on him. Like, you, I hate this mm-hmm. like binary kind of like sports commentary we got nowadays. Like. If somebody fucks up, it's always like, oh, they're looking for a reason why he fucked up. Like, yo, like LeBron with his hand last year. He did it himself. He was like, yo, I broke my hand. Okay, I can't feel my fingers. <laughs> like, no, sometimes the other team game plans and does something that, like, keeps this, this, this great player from operating at peak, you know, level. And here it was simple. They're going to put one of the nastiest defenders that ever, like, that has ever played. Uh, basketball, true. I think he's that nice as a perimeter defender, true. Holiday, it's like yeah. when you consider what he did to Dame in 2018, and into now with how he's switching back and forth between Booker and CP3, bro. Um, yeah, yeah. so I, th- I think it was just simple as that. They was just like, yeah, we're not because what it is is, and you've seen it all season. Chris Paul, the Chris Paul effect is real. He'll come to a franchise, he'll lift it up, everything will center on his skill set and what he'll do to optimize the efficiency of a team. So Milwaukee seeing that, they're like, yo, Booker can cook, but the rest of the team, these open threes, the corner threes, the like these uh, uh, uh these easy looks for Aiton, it's all dependent on Chris Paul, right? And then you saw Aiton's number like number steadily decline. And I don't think it was an issue of him maybe being too shook by the moment. I'm thinking just like he's his role on the team is dependent on Chris Paul at optimal value optimizing him, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and Chris Paul at 36, like he's still what he's doing right now is impressive. When he did right now is impressive, but he's still 36. Like, father time's undefeated. He's not as quick as he was. He's not as uh, 
electric or explosive as he was. So you could see that like his mind is still sharp as hell, but his body's not cooperating. So there are moments he'll have like an easy peasy strip where he probably thought True couldn't get him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But then True did because True is young and in his prime and big as hell, bro, for a guard. He's like a small forward side guard. He's like six four, yeah. six five. And Clearly yeah, a great running back. <laughs> Shit, bro, wide receiver. I see him like catching some TDs from Eli back in the day, but. <laughs> Um, but yeah, and I'm just looking at Phoenix's roster, like, if Booker's gonna be, if Booker actually is gonna ascend to being the best scorer in the league, I think the situation needs to stay as good, at least as good as it was this year. Not saying that, like, they need to have a Chris Paul every year, but I feel like they see the formula now. Booker is better as a natural shooting guard as opposed to being like that hardened kind of point combo guard, whatever, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He works well playing off of somebody. It worked with Rubio, and it worked beautifully with CP3. So it's about yeah. finding that next point guard. So I think if he has a nice point guard that's kind of setting him up, I think he could probably break, you know, or lead the league in scoring. He's His bag is that nice, you know what I mean? Yeah. What do you think of Aiton, though? Like, since we kind of mentioned him a little bit. Like, what? How do you, how do you perform this season? And I guess... Matt Bra, but did it change your general outlook on him as a player, like moving forward? No, I, I always saw him as a guy who can crash boards and score points. I mean, there's a reason why Bagley gets more shit on for not being <laughs> Luca, but and so is Trey. But no one really talks about Aiton, even though he was number he was the number one pick. And obviously, if they were redone, Luca would go number one. Facts. But and Aiton will probably go number three at this point. Um, but he he played really well on a Western team as the guy in his first NBA playoffs and NBA finals, and he seems to be the guy in the team who needs that extra push all the time, whether it's from the coach or whether it's from Chris Paul or other teammates. He's that guy who can, who at least from an outside view, from a guy who's a thousand of miles away just watching on TV, looks like he loses motivation fast or he like loses focus fast or just gets distracted or just gets nervous you know one or the other yeah, yeah. but despite all that he the numbers were he, he was putting up almost 20 and 20 multiple nights that's that's very impressive for how old is he 20 21 he's kind of young as shit broken. yeah he's young as young hell shit. yeah and then especially big men the old cliche is they, they develop slower you know what i mean big men mm-hmm. and point guards they develop slower because of all the responsibility those positions have so yeah. to see Aiden do this i mean he said it himself like to your point he needed Chris Paul this year. He said Chris Paul saved his career or something along those lines. Something like that. I don't know if it was that drastic, like DeAndre Ayton, but I do think the Chris Paul effect is real when it comes to young big men. And, you know, I think the difference between him and DeAndre Jordan, who got annoyed with Chris Paul eventually after a number of years, it's because Chris Paul is legit the vet now. He's the old vet now. Back mm-hmm. then with the Clippers, with Blake Griffin and DeAndre, he was only a few years older than them. So yeah. he's trying to be a father figure to them, and Blake Griffin's like about to shove him in a locker. It's not going to work that mm-hmm. way. At least with Aiton, Chris Paul, at least like a decade later now, he's built that resume where somebody like Aiton, somebody like all them kids on the team, bro, they're going to like look up to him, and they did. You know, um, It's Monty Williams and Chris Paul that were basically coaching that team. And not to take away from what Monty did, great coach, great dude mm-hmm. too, apparently. But yeah, I mean, with, Chris, with, with Aiton, Honestly, I wasn't too mad he went number one just because I understood it. He went to the University of Arizona. Phoenix had the pick. Easy peasy. And I thought I liked him as a prospect. I thought he would be like, in terms of offensive potential, offensive only, I thought he would be a tier below Cat. That was my take back in 2018. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I didn't think he would have that same jumper. He could get it eventually, but, you know, I think he's on his way, you know? 
Yeah, sure. I'm I'm excited to see him in the next couple of seasons, how he's going to develop. He'll be – I, I think he's, he's definitely got at least cap potential for next season. Yeah, what's crazy is how fast Phoenix is going to have to pay up for all these guys. Uh, Mikhail and Aiton are free agents in the same year. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think the year after that, Booker has a player option or something like that. I can confirm this, but I don't want to. I like recklessly speculating better. <laughs> I got the internet at my fingertips. <laughs> uh, all right. So what else? What else we got for today? Um, I mean, I wanted to touch on just like you do. Basically, you think Milwaukee's gonna repeat? And I guess mm. what's the what's the the top elite level hierarchy looking like in the league next year? I mean, Milwaukee's gonna be in the conversation, but you know, first of all, the first question is basically, do you think they're gonna repeat? And two, who's in that conversation with them as far as contenders go next season? On the East. Or just overall? Just overall contenders. Championship, like teams you're going to look at and be like, all right, they're going to vie for a championship this season. You know what I mean? I, I got to see how Brooklyn's going to look next season. They were they were three what was it, three inches away from not being in the position that they were from a KD jumper that went in. Um, if they have, if Kyrie's playing and Harden's playing and KD's playing, I think they still, they're, they're still the favorite to go to the finals. Um it's it's not to not to knock on Giannis and them, but again they were only literally three inches, like a, like a fucking half shoe size away from not being where they are today as champions. So, assuming the those Brooklyn guys are healthy, I'm gonna give them the nod and uh, Milwaukee second in the East, and I think in the West, it's kind of hard to gauge where the West is gonna be next season. I don't think it's I don't. It's if you want to say that Phoenix is going to make it to NBA Finals, sure, I understand that they're the reigning Western champions. I don't think so. I don't think they're going to make it that you know next season. I think everyone's going to level up in their own different ways. Again, we still have free agency. We still have the draft. There's a lot more moves that's going to happen by next November. These are just way too early predictions. So, I mean, Utah. I I, I think at some point or another they they got to at least make it you know to that level. Denver. They they didn't have Jamal Murray. He was a guy who basically got into Game 7 of the Western Finals and he lost to L.A. He was out with the torn ACL. And, you know, I was yeah. listening to, you know, Zach Lowe's podcast the other day and uh, Mike Malone was on. And he's like, yeah, his, his recovery is going great. Like, he's looking like he'll be better than ever. And a lot of guys, um, when they have, you know, a decent amount of time, especially a guy like him, they, they can come back and play better than they did before. And he'll learn from his, you know, however way he was playing and play at a better pace to keep himself healthy Jokic is going to be another the reigning MVP Jokic he's he's going to remember that he got swept by the Suns he's not going to take that lightly that that man's going to come back 220 pounds and seven foot tall just body and you know just dunking on everybody next season um he's he's going to be amazing next season so if I had to pick someone from the west off the top of my head right now I'd probably give the nod to Denver and it'll probably be uh Denver Brooklyn maybe Milwaukee finals next season so rankings top to uh at least top four i'd probably go with um brooklyn milwaukee denver and i don't know who the fourth i guess i guess i'll give it to the lakers because they have a lot of players that are interested they have lebron right james bro lebron, yeah, LeBron tyrone jaquan james bro i don't even know if those are his actual middle names but they're not they're definitely yeah not. i mean shit bro I mean, if you have lebron james and anthony davis if they're healthy knock on wood you know obviously we saw they were the opposite of that this this playoffs and I mean, you got a point, bro. Like, if, you know, I'm not one of those people that's just like, oh, it's an Asterix championship. Because, first of all, injuries literally happen every season. Literally, I, high school me was mad as shit that Andrew Bynum was hurt and couldn't play in the 08 
finals. To this day, I think we like the Lakers would have won that shit. You know what I mean? So to it happens. Yo, yo, to this motherfucking day. <laughs> Fuck Kevin Garnett. <laughs> Fuck Paul Pierce. Not Ray Allen though. He's cool. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's that's the point. It's like injuries happen every year, but it's valid. You know what I mean? If if uh, I agree with you, bro. If Brooklyn was healthy. They would have won that series running away five games, like a gentleman sweep. You know, give a give Milwaukee one win for their pride at home probably um so yeah if, if the nets are healthy and you know who knows they're probably gonna get mad vets people that we're probably even gonna be shocked mad vets are gonna rush to them for ring chasing on a minimum minimum contract i swear mm-hmm. i bet you they're gonna have one signing this summer that it's gonna be like it's gonna piss people off because it'll be like yo he this guy this guy xyz took a huge pay cut to go play for brooklyn it's gonna happen bro you know what for i mean sure. um that's what probably, i would be super probably like demarcus cousins I was about, I thought, yo, I thought you were about to say DeMar DeRozan. I was like, no. oh, buddy. He takes, like, the mid-level, super six man. Bro, hell no. I stopped watching, like, the league. Go become a soccer fan. That's wild. But, um, yeah, I, I, I can't quibble with that top four. I definitely forgot about Denver, though. But, yeah, respect. If Jamal Murray is healthy, I feel like they could have been – it could have been a Milwaukee-Denver finals, honestly. I feel like they're, they were better than Phoenix, fully healthy, like, full stop. But but Phoenix did sweep them, so maybe I know Jamal Murray would make that much of an impact that they wouldn't not lose four games, but also win four. More. I mean, you see how like Jokic, Mr. MVP himself, he gets like every ounce of potential like usability out of all his teammates because he's that good of a playmaker and passer. He's he's a he's the tide that raises all boats. So if you put Jamal Murray an All Star caliber guard in there, I think that helps. It brings everybody else down a notch in terms of the team hierarchy, in terms of like what option they are like Michael Porter Jr. especially at this stage should not be the number two option on a playoff contender you know what I mean yeah I think he's best suited as like a big spot up shooter that can close out and like get hot every now and then that could like it uh you know take a defender off the dribble when they close out on him you know what I mean but yeah I can't argue with that top four what about the Kings uh the break our man De'Aaron Fox like I know he's sick (laughs) yeah he's sick maybe maybe he'll get number eight <clears throat> maybe, maybe. AC, maybe. <laughs> That'd be wild, funny if they work their ass off and they like make they get like the ninth seed. <laughs> I hope that's what happens. Actually, no, they, they get the playing tournament now. They get like the eleventh seed, one win away <laughs> from the playing tor- tournament. No, they make they they the ninth seed. They make the playing tournament and they lose off a of buzzer beater <laughs> against <laughs> against the Blazers. Oh, I guess not even like they play us I, at the end of the IQ, season. IQ hitting that buzzer beater because Dame's from <laughs> New York, <laughs> bro. Um, you saw Golden State might even get into the Bradley Beal talks. If that happens, they're they're back in the conversation, bro. Yeah. Easily, like, easily. I mean, it. they Clay Thompson's back. They're in the conversation for top five at least. I hope Clay can block, bro. Achilles tear after an ACL tear. That's just hearing that is traumatizing in itself. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. if I'm a Warriors fan, and I say it respectfully, I would have the least or lowest possible expectations for Clay. You know what I mean? I wouldn't expect him to look or heat up like Clay until, like, the playoffs, if if they got there. But, yeah, I mean, we want to close out with some Knicks stuff. You know, we got some draft nuggets, some big news yesterday, if you want to, if you want to bring it up. Yeah, um, per interview with one Jonathan Macri, uh, John Wasserman got on the show, and is that is that the news you're talking about? No, you're talking about the other one. Yeah, I'm talking about the Scott Perry, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our man, <laughs> our man, Scott Perry. 
the man. I that forgot. That man's always in the shadows. Like the he's always that, in the background. <laughs> the man that had me literally in our first few infantile stage of our podcast talk about like, yo, we're reputation change. We're building right now. <laughs> we got a front office in place. Um, he didn't turn out to be all that, but it definitely turned out that he was probably the one that kept Steve Mills from just fucking shit up. Od, you know what mm. I mean? So yeah, shout out to him for getting a two year extension. I think Bagley said. Any was thoughts? it was it two? I all I know is multi. That's the that's the only thing that I got out of. It's definitely not a one year deal, which is what he got last season. So he did he he did re up on a on a much higher uh level than he did last time. Yeah. Maybe even if it's two years. Is it two years? Yeah, um if we're gonna go on Ian Bagley's page because he's the only one worth trusting with Nick's news. Hey, I'm good with it as long as Alfred Payne isn't back on the team because we know Definitely, Scott Perry <laughs> must be paying that that man's like like childcare at this point. Like that 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 man must be Alfred Payne's father at some point. Ah, never mind. By some measure or some way, he's related to Alfred Payne. That's why he's bringing him back. As long as he doesn't bring back Alfred Payne, I'm good. Dude, you throwing an accusation right now? Like Payton is uh, the Ill- illegitimate child of the Perry clan? Is that what's going on here? I don't put words into my mouth, but yeah. <laughs> I'm not putting words in your mouth, but I'm just taking the thoughts Pretty in your much. head. <laughs> um, essentially. essentially. But no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy about the signing. I, I have mentioned multiple times I do like Scott Perry. I like what he's done. Obviously not everything that he's done so far, but namely Mitchell Robinson was a great find. Uh, he has that relationship factor. He ha- And what he brings to the Knicks is stability at this point. Stability yeah. just from like an outlook or outside perspective as a guy who's in the organization for over two years, which at this point seems very uncommon. He's like he's one of the longest tenured Knicks personnel on in the franchise right Crazy. now. He's only been there for three seasons. So I like the stability perspective. I like the kind of the loyalty part of it where, you know, Leon Rose is – Helping him out because I'm sure he was great for him. He he didn't have a cert he didn't have a cert uh a certainty to getting a contract, but he was working on the draft. The draft is next yeah. week, and he's been working on it. And he only just got his extension. He could have been fired. He could have been let go. And he he's been putting in work for a while. Yeah. Um. So you know, credit to Scott Perry, credit to Leon Rose for signing him. Yeah, and I'm seeing people getting mad, and they're like, just they yo, I don't get this irrational hate for Perry. I'm sure there are probably reasons that I don't care about from these dummies. But with Perry, bro, um, yeah, I'm not mad at it at all because at this point he's just a role player on Leon's team. You know what I mean? And we've seen all these reports, which are very illuminating, about just how like Rose or Leon like runs the front office. It's basically like a think tank. He's got like a a team of dudes that he elicits their opinion on, and they discuss as a group, make decisions as a group. But Leon's obviously the final decision maker. And losing Perry, I feel like it would probably would have hurt then helped you know so why, why not just keep them around and you know it's the whole perception thing too like we're trying not to look like that um unstable you know what i mean or, or or ugly ass franchise like how would it look if like we just have our most successful season in like eight years and we let our gm go you know so now many headlines contract yeah it's good people yeah. would shit on us so don't give these people a reason to shit on us this was like a layup and leon did it and i don't know i, I think i saw two years or maybe i you know misread some but like yeah uh, bagley saying it's a multi-year contract extension so it's at least two um but yeah like shout out to scott perry bro there's a like somebody in our in our uh, twitter replied to us and say yeah there's a reason why he had a good reputation coming into the knicks you know i think it's just that steve mills stink that's on him that aura is on him and he's trying to like wash it off still 
but at least, yo, when you saw that, like, Mills got fired and two days later, like, the Marcus Morris trade happened, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, all right, I see what was mm-hmm. going on. Steve Mills was the delusional one. Scott Perry's just annoyed as shit. <laughs> and he just went up to Dolan. He's like, enough. I'm going to throw this man under the <laughs> under the bus and reverse yeah, the who, bus. And re- <laughs> who was he trying to get against, Steve Mills? All those rumors were circulating that day. Who? Oh, D'Lo. D'Lo. Trade it all for D'Lo as, like, damage control. I was like, oh, we're going to get the net, the Nets point guard. Everybody's going to, like, like Dolan's going to like this. I'm like, no, fuck out of here. He probably presented that to Dolan and he got fired. He's like, no way I'm on Brooklyn sloppy <laughs> seconds. <laughs> you know what I mean? I would have looked worse. But yeah, shout out to Scott Perry and you know, we got honestly like he's he's doing draft work, but it seems like Walt Perrin is running that. You know, we like Leon got like three different assistant GMs. So you know it's it's cool. It's copacetic. I, I think they did this obviously because he's useful experience wise and he probably showed Leon a thing or two, some pointers, but I think stability means a lot if you're trying to foster a culture worth playing. Yeah. And, you know. and he's been in the conversation for all these players that are coming back next season. Like, this is, the, again, the first time in a while that we're retaining a lot of players. And one of the first faces that they saw walking in was Scott Perry, whether it's RJ or Julius Randle or, you know, name any of those players. The first person that they saw, even, I don't know about Frank. I, he might be the only exception, but everyone else. I think Scott Perry hates Frank's guts, but go ahead. That's probably his one downside. Yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> um, and then, because he, he wasn't there for it, but everybody else, again, the first face that they saw, whether it was Steve Mills or Leon, was Scott Perry, who was sitting right next to him. Um, but moving on to the other news that I was going to say, premature, but mix it up. Premature, Pre- prematurely, yeah. prematurely. Uh, John Wasserman essentially confirmed that the Knicks will be trying to move up in the draft and even reached out to a couple of teams or maybe even one team. He couldn't, uh, you know, identify which team, just... You know, just he just couldn't. He literally is, said, "I'm not allowed to say." Yeah, so, yeah. Okay, you know. Just professionally speaking, he couldn't do it, but yeah. he's heard it. He's gotten confirmation about it that they're making calls to move up in the draft, and you love to hear it because you need the Knicks want their options. We were expecting something like that last season. They and we and the Knicks did it. They they had multiple trades during draft night, and we saw them move up and down in the rankings or the the lottery or not the lottery the draft numbers. And um, we just see that they're weighing in all their options and not just looking for the best prospect at that number like you would in, you know, as if you were the Knicks five or six years ago. Um, so you love to see. I'd love to see the Knicks move up from 19 and 21 to maybe 12 or 11. Yeah, I mean, he did say late lotto. So yeah. right, right there, I like, I start from 10 below. You know what I mean? 10 to 13, mm-hmm. I consider that late lotto. Maybe nine, but think if you get into single digits it'll cost a lot but yeah i mean you love to see it um it's just wondering who it is i'm trying to like piece everything together after the year we had with this front office and with tibbs obviously i'm thinking it might be one of these kids that it's a little that is a little older than a prospect would be so i wouldn't be surprised if davion mitchell is that guy not not sure if he'd last a late lotto um I mean, there's this t- the 24-year-old player from uh, Oregon. I was doing some uh, work on him a little earlier today. Chris Duarte, Duarte, whatever. He's like a 3 and D guy, but I'm like, would we really trade up for a 24-year-old? Because I also saw a report that the, the Warriors like him. And if that's that's the little like rumor-mongering that's going on, you know what I mean? Like some leaks from the Knicks and Warriors, you know? I don't know. They, they probably see Mikael Bridges like, yo, we, we need this guy on our team. We need a guy just like Mikael Bridges. That age and bring him on to the Knicks. Just rectify the mistake with Knox from three years ago, I think and this man, make sure we don't make the same mistake twice. 
I think this kid, Chris Duarte, is like old enough to be Mikhail Bridges' chaperone at this point. Like, good lord. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think it all could, also could be Sharif Cooper, who like it's mm. that he he's been getting Nick's Twitter hot and bothered. And I like what I see, bro. Like low key, he kind of looks like from the little I've seen so far, he kind of looked like Trey without the jumper. Hmm. You know? Yeah. But he's he's his passing is that nice. Yeah. Um, it's just like whether that jumper can, you know, you know, develop and whether, you know, Tibbs is willing to trade up for a rookie point guard when he probably begged and pleaded for Leon to go get um, D-Rose, you know what I mean? So, yeah. we'll see, you know. Any, anything else we want to touch on? Um, there was that Reggie Bullock news that came out today. I guess we could close out with uh, our man Reggie. He seems to be on the fast track to return to the Knicks. Thoughts? Yeah. Yeah, no. Knicks are considering bringing him back. It it makes sense. He was arguably the best three-point shooter on the team to an extent, um, at least volume-wise, and I'm pretty sure he, he'll come in fairly cheap for the Knicks. He, I'm sure I, I, he enjoyed being on the team. I, I don't think he'll mind not getting $20 million uh, for a contract, so I'm not too surprised. They should weigh in their options. I mean, you know, three-point shooters are – are pretty much invaluable in this yeah, stage. Yeah, I think culture-wise, fit-wise with the roster, I think it was a guaranteed he was coming back. I know we kind of discussed whether we'd prefer Burks or Bullock, but it always, felt, it always felt more realistic that Bullock would come back. I just preferred to bring back Burks. So I'm not mad at it, you know? As long as, like, I, I don't want to mean to sound insulting when I say this, as long as his role is a little more downsized next season, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. if he becomes more of a complimentary player as opposed to, like, Julius's main wing shooter, you know? I'll be happy. So, yeah, it, yeah, it all comes back to some continuity for the Knicks. And for the first time, we're not, like, looking at the roster <laughs> top to bottom wondering who's going to be on the team, who's going to join. Right now, there's potential for us to have maybe a couple of players here and there, but for the most part, this roster looks like it's going to be the same unless they make a major trade for a superstar player. Yeah, and I like that we're trying to trade up, too, because like, we have four picks in this draft. There's no way tips would have four rookies and there's no way it makes sense for us to use all of them like it mm-hmm. just made sense to consolidate and i mean that's what i wanted us to do last offseason too consolidate our assets you know like and it didn't happen i think it made sense leon is a took a measured approach to last offseason from the draft to free agency to even the incidents mm-hmm. of trades so does that mean they're going in the opposite direction this offseason i don't know i feel like we'd be setting ourselves up for disappointment maybe it's somewhere in the middle where we do make one kind of splashy move, maybe like a Colin Sexton trade, and everything else is similar to last year. But we'll see. Right. I think that about covers it for today, bro. I mean, next week yep. we got our draft preview, bro. Draft coming yep. up. The NBA draft is next Thursday, the 29th. Um, we'll be having an episode before that to discuss our favorite prospects coming up. So uh, make sure you guys follow us on Instagram and, tw- Instagram and Twitter at Nick's Show. Subscribe on YouTube also at Nick's Show. And follow us on all podcasting platforms, Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, and all that. Um, we appreciate you guys checking out this episode of Nickish. Make sure you tune in next week. Uh, until next time, take care. Peace. Peace.